them open to Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, and once you find that, also find Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. Matthew 16, 18, Acts chapter 2, verse number 41. If you're a Bible scholar, you probably know where we're headed tonight. The subject of the theme of the message. Uh, I can't promise you that it's going to be a, a preachy message, but probably more of a teaching message tonight. As we look at this thought of what is the church, all right? What is the church tonight? We last Sunday we we just we had an invitation in the middle of the service. Timothy got saved, and I taught something about the church. I'm really not sure what I taught about. We interrupted that message right in the middle of it for the good news of Timothy's salvation. And uh, I don't mind. I don't mind getting my message interrupted for that. Amen. Uh, now, if you're just playing around, if you're just uh, uh, you know not taking it serious, that bothers me. But I'll stop everything to hear about somebody getting saved. Amen. And nothing I got to say is more important than eternal business tonight. But Matthew chapter number sixteen, verse number eighteen, we gave an introduction of this series that will be on for the next few weeks. Some things we'll cover, and it's one of those I've been reading and studying and meditating. It, and the study is getting bigger. And so <laughs> we, we may be on what is the church until the church is raptured out of here. And then somebody else can take up the series. Uh, it won't be me. I'll be gone, as that old preacher used to say. I'll be gone. He used to sing it. Uh, he said, I'll be gone. And somebody ended up jumping in the baptistry one time. I got so excited. That'd be exciting to see, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't be the same effect. There ain't no water in it right now. <laughs> he just hit the ground hard. But Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. The Bible says, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church in the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now turn over to Acts chapter number two, verse number 41. The Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, Lord, I ask you tonight for clarity of thought. Lord, help me to preach and teach, Lord, with a, with a right heart and a right spirit. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd make it clear to us tonight, Lord, and help us see just the truths from the word of God tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this evening, God, that you'd just help us from the word of God tonight. Lord, establish some foundational truth in our hearts tonight. Lord, we're thankful for the church. We're thankful, thankful, Lord, for our church. Lord, we're thankful to be a local New Testament Bible-believing church, uh, Lord, that has been purchased by the blood of Christ. Lord, we, we're not a social club, God. We are not just a, 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 a come-to-get-together-and-have-fun kind of group. Lord, we are here to worship you. We are here to praise you. Lord, this building has been set apart, and these people, Lord, have met with the purpose of just lifting your name up tonight. But, Lord, we're also, Lord, to be commissioned and, Lord, to be working for the Master I pray, Lord, tonight, help us as a church to carry out the great commission. Help us, Lord, to edify one another, encourage the saints, and, Lord, reach the, the world with the gospel. We pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just take this, these simple thoughts, Lord, help them out tonight, Lord, use them for your glory. And, Lord, help us tonight, Lord, to leave out, leave out of here, God, just better than we walked in tonight, Lord. Lord, remind us of some great truth, Lord, in the song service. So you've reminded us, Lord, this world is not our home. Lord, we're just pilgrims passing through. Lord, what a blessing it is that, Lord, one day I'll leave all this behind. 
Lord, I'll never have to fight sin again. Lord, I'll never have to deal with pain again. Lord, sickness will never come over my body again. Lord, I'll, I'll be in a perfect body, in a perfect mind, and in a perfect place, worshiping a perfect Savior for all eternity, Lord. And I can't wrap my mind around it, but Lord, you all never get tired of doing that as the ages roll on. I'm thankful, Lord, I don't have to wait for heaven, Lord, to get in on some of that tonight. Lord, thank you for opportunities to worship you and bless your name tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Here's what we're going to deal with tonight, and it's and for, uh, for one reason or another tonight, it often becomes a very controversial subject, right? And what is the subject, preacher? When did the church begin? When did the church begin? Now, before I get into anything tonight or I say anything, I want to drop some, 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 some things I think we can all agree on tonight is one, that that the church is God's business, that God orchestrated, God designed it. It is, it is God's plan, but also that we are in the church, amen? That if you're saved by the grace of God, you are in the church, and, that, and it got started at some point, right? It is here now today, it's what we're part of, and we're grateful for that tonight, and we believe that Christ died for the church. And we also believe that the church is for the church, Right, God established it for the church, right? And we'll get into that some night, but it's a rather debated subject, right? Of, of when did the church begin? And some men and some folks become very dogmatic on this, right? They become very, very uh, uh, one-sided. If you don't see it my way, you're a liberal, you're probably not even saved, uh, and, and you don't love the Lord, right? But, and we'll get into that, and I'm, I'm not, good friends have fallen out, out over this, of when the church began. There's some people who God has called to a mission field who applied to a mission board and were denied because what they believe about this is different from what the mission board believes, right? Some pastors have been voted out of the church over this very issue of when did the church begin preaching? Is that serious? Why are you preaching about it? Why are you teaching about it? Because tonight, listen, when I get said and done and everything wrapped up tonight, you may walk out of here and not have the same stance as me. Right, not see it the same way that I see it tonight. Can I, can I tell you something? That's okay. As long as you've got Bible reasons to prove it. As long as you've got scripture in context, right, and scripture interpreted correctly, I'm okay with that. Now, if you come to me and say, preacher, I don't agree with anything you said because my mama told me this and my, dada to, my daddy told me that, but he ain't got no chapter verse behind it. I'm not going to sit there and, 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 and take, take the time and, and, and listen in that sense. But at the same time, if you have chapter and verse, come talk to me. We can discuss this. I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to argue with you, but we can talk about it. I'm not above correction. I'm not above learning. But tonight, I simply want to express to you where I stand on the issue. Right? And so through study and through listening and listening to the other men of God teach and expound upon it, it's one of those when I heard somebody explain it this way, it just clicked with me. Right, because for the longest, uh, all I knew was, well, it, it had to start in Acts chapter number two. That's where it had to start because that's what people told me. Right, but it was through my own personal study. I began to see not necessarily things in a different light, but some simple truths that I sat back and I scratched my head and said, that makes perfect sense. Right, and so tonight we're going to answer the question of, and most people will pick either Matthew 16, 18, where we started, or Acts chapter number two as to where the church started. And here's an issue, the, the, the only issue I kind of have with either saying it's one of those is that neither one of those expressly say, and the church began here. 
Right? There is no, there's no verse in your Bible that says, uh, chapter and verse, that, and on this day, the church began. But we do know the church is in existence. We are in the church today, and we're grateful for that. And one day, God's going to rapture out the church. We know that tonight. And so, but there's no verse, right? Matter of fact, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church. That word will is a future reference. I will do something. There's a big difference between saying I will eat and I am eating. Or I did eat. I ate lunch today and it still hasn't digested. I'm very heavy up here tonight. But Jesus said, I will in the future. In Acts chapter two, verse number 41, it says, and they were added to. Well, how can you add to something that doesn't already exist? Right, so you, and a lot of times we get dogmatic on this. And listen, you may run into somebody in your Christian life where they'll say it has to be Acts chapter number two. It's nothing else. Listen, smile, love them, right? Because it, it's one of those things that we can disagree on. We can still love each other and we can still agree that we're in the church now. Now, there's a difference between what I'm teaching tonight in the doctrine of salvation. Why, preacher? Because the Bible expressly says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It is, it is the gift of God and not of, not of works. Oh, man, I don't mess it up. But it's the gift of God. It's by grace, right? It's not by your ability. And so if a man stands up and preaches, well, you can do works to get saved, you're wrong, sir. Because there's a verse that expressly says you're saved by grace. But what we'll look at tonight is, is, is when did the church begin? So maybe you're saying, preacher, when did the church begin? Thank you for asking that question. And I want to answer your question with another question. You can't do that, preacher. I can't. I'm the pastor. When you preach on it, you can do it your way. Let me ask you, when does life begin in a human? When does life begin at a human? Well, there's conception. Right? We, 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 there's, it begins at conception. And, and, but our, the generation in the world that we're living in now says, no, life does not begin until that child is born into this world. And unfortunately, they are wrong. Life begins at conception. I just heard somewhere this week that there was, there was somewhere that uh, enacted an abortion bill that said that child is able to be aborted up until the time of birth. Can I say that when all my kids were born, there was no real big difference in them before, right before they left the womb and right after they came out the womb. They didn't all of a sudden become alive. How do you know, preacher? Because I felt them kick inside the womb. And so tonight, I didn't ask y'all for permission, but little Judah's gonna help me teach this tonight. Life begins at conception, right? But then there is a, and I call it this way, there's a cultivation period, right? At conception, there's life. There was a time where little Judah was conceived and now he's starting to grow. You can feel him kick. You can feel him punch. Right, you can feel him flop around in there. Miss Caitlin can, she feels it a whole lot more than Brother Jacob does. <laughs> Remember Miss Becky telling me, Charlotte was up kicking all night, kept me up all night. I said, not me. <laughs> Didn't kick me at all last night. There's a point of conception, there's a point of cultivation, but then there's this point of unveiling. Right when that child comes into this world. Right, right now we know baby Judah's alive. We know he's a boy. Right, but we don't know the color of his hair. We don't know the color of his eyes. We don't know uh, if he's got his mama or his daddy's feet. 
right? But we do know he's alive and he's being cultivated. He's growing, right? In that sense, preparing to be unveiled. There's going to be a birthday and we're going to celebrate it. So there's a conception, there's a cultivation, there's an unveiling. I think you could say the same thing about the church. And it's interesting enough tonight that not only is it the church called the church, but it's also called the body of Christ. And just like your body, there was a point of conception, there was a point of growth, and there was a point of unveiling. And ever since your unveiling day, you've been growing, and you've been learning, and you're progressing. So notice number one tonight, we'll look at the conception of the church. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter number one tonight, Ephesians chapter number one. Go down to verse number four, Ephesians chapter number one, verse number four. The conception, when was the church conceived. Look at verse number four of Ephesians chapter number one. It says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I want to say tonight that before the world ever was, God knew about the church. God had conceived the church. God had the idea of the church. The, the church isn't some new idea. It's not something God came up with after the resurrection of Christ. It's not a novel idea. It wasn't concocted after Calvary. It was an eternal idea. It's an eternal thing designed and developed by God. And so that's why tonight it's very interesting. As we read the Old Testament, we can see pictures in types of the church in the Old Testament. Why? Because it wasn't something brand new that God said, oh no, I've got to design something uh, for after the resurrection, after Calvary. Now I will say tonight that I, I do not stand for, nor do I believe in replacement theology. What is that, preacher? That is that, we, that some teach that the church replaced Israel, or in Israel one day replaced the church. I don't believe that. Right, I believe they're two separate things. I, I believe that the Israel's the apple of God's eye. The church is the bride of Christ. Right, we understand that tonight and we're grateful for that. And that's a study within itself. But we can look back at the Old Testament and picture in type, right? We can see the church, right? We see the church in the book of Exodus, right? We see a group of people who are saved, right? As they come through the Red Sea, they are saved from Egypt, which is always a picture of sin. And now they are banded together, journeying from this place to eventually the promised land. They are not the church, but we can see us in our modern day, right? We're saved by the grace of God. And now we are joined up in life, right? We are the family of God and we are progressing through life and we're not headed to the promised land, but we're headed to heaven, right? We're looking forward to that. We can see the church in the Old Testament in type and picture. We see in the disappearance of Enoch, right? The Bible was Enoch and he walked with God and he was not. And he was taken out by God. He was raptured out right before God sent the flood. It's a beautiful picture of the church, Right before God begins, uh, the, the tribulation, all of that begins to take place, the church is going to be called out of here. And I'm going, I'm going with the church, amen. We see the church in, in, in that. We see the church in the tabernacle. Right, we see it in its construction, in its conditions, right, in its comfort. Could you imagine what it must have been like for an Israelite to step back and to see the presence of God and that smoke and that pillar uh, come over the tabernacle knowing that God was there? Can I say tonight, I've never seen smoke. Uh, this place hasn't got foggy from smoke, but can I say it's been here around here lately. It seems like he's just been hanging out with us. 
We've been in his presence enjoying the goodness of God. And can I say it does my heart good to know that I go to a church where God goes to church at. We see the church in the, 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 the tabernacle. We see the church in the revival of Ezra in Nehemiah's day. There was a great confession of sin. Right? There was concentration under the Lord, a consecration to the Lord. There was closeness to the word of God. Can I say the recipe for revival hasn't changed? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, and the rest of that verse talks about it. My mind is gone. I've got spaghetti hanging out somewhere in between here. But notice tonight that it hasn't changed tonight. Preacher, I want revival. There may be some sins you need to confess. There may be some consecration of the Lord that you need to participate in. You gotta get close to the word of God tonight. Matter of fact, there's such a great picture of the church in the Old Testament when Stephen stands up in Acts chapter number seven and he's preaching there, eventually which is gonna to lead to his death. He's preaching about Israel and their journeys through the wilderness. Acts chapter number seven, he calls the nation of Israel the church in the wilderness. Right now, he, wasn't, he, was, not, he was not replacing them, but that word church, what is a called out body of believers? Right, a called out assembly. And that's what they were. And he said, and he refers to that. And we can see the church throughout the Old Testament, this conception, this concept of the church is, is, is something that didn't just begin 2,000 years ago, but it's been in the heart of God for all eternity. The list goes on, but the concept of the church can easily be seen through the Old Testament. A picture in type Y, the church was conceived in the heart of God. So we see the conception of the church has always been in the heart of God in an eternity past. Preacher, explain that. I, I, it's always been in the heart of God in the eternity past. God has always been, God will always be. And just like, and I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe that God picks and chooses people to be saved. I believe when he said whosoever, he meant whosoever. That whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I do know God in his foreknowledge knows who will and won't get saved. And God in his foreknowledge knew, right, this was gonna be a scene called the church and it was gonna take off and it was gonna spread the gospel around the world. So we see the concept of the church, the conception of the church. The notice number two tonight, we see the cultivation of the church. Matthew chapter number 16, and we see this really take place in the earthly ministry of Christ. As he is on earth, he is walking planet earth. He's got his disciples and a lot of their actions, a lot of what they do is this cultivation of preparing the church to be unveiled, to take off. If the first step is conception, you could call the second step cultivation. Just like the baby in the womb, after conception the baby grows, but is still in the womb, very much alive but yet unveiled. This is the process that takes place during Christ's earthly ministry. Though it hadn't been completely unveiled, it was beginning to be formed. Right, Christ gave the foundation of the church right here in Matthew 16, 18. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Who? Himself. Right, he was the, the stone that the builders rejected to become the, the, the chief cornerstone. Right, this, this evening, our church is not built on good singing. Our church is not built on good preaching. Our church is not built on good Sunday school teaching. It's not built on good fellowship meals. It's not built on fun programs. It's not built on exciting camps. Our church is built on Jesus Christ. He is the foundation, the cornerstone of our church. If you take him out, we don't have church. Christ gave the foundation right there. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Who was he talking to? He's talking to his disciples, right? He was getting ready to head to Calvary. He's getting ready to head up to the Mount of Transfiguration. And here he's saying, now upon this rock, I'll build my church. 
He gave the commission of the church, Matthew 28 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? He gave the great commission to the church to go out and what? Preach the gospel. That's what we're commissioned to do. And so if the church wasn't already uh, conceived and already wasn't forming, how can you commission them? And now he's commissioned us in them to go and preach the gospel. Matthew 18, 17, if you flip one uh, chapter over from where we are tonight, or two chapters over, into Matthew chapter 18, we see church discipline. Matthew 18, verse number 17. And it says, and he should neglect to hear them. Tell it to the church. Right, but if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican can. Here's the interesting thing. Peter's got a question down in verse number 21. It's a question about forgiveness. But when he said, tell it unto the church, Peter didn't say, Lord, what you talking about? What's the church, Lord? And so you could take away that they had an understanding of this thing called the church and what it was going to be. Jesus said, but if we neglect to hear the church, Right, let him be unto thee as a heathen man in public. He's talking about church discipline there. Now, why in the world would you start instilling discipline in something that hasn't already existed, isn't already there, isn't already conceived? So Christ gave the commission to the church. He gave correction to the church. The disciples had officers. Right, the disciples had a treasurer. His name was Judas. They were baptized and partook of the Lord's Supper. A lot of the qualities and the positions that we have in the church, they had a head. Who? Jesus Christ. Right? They had all the things that we have in a church today, and it was beginning to be cultivated. It was beginning to be formed together in that sense. So there was conception. There was cultivation. Though the church wasn't fully unveiled, it was starting to be formed and cultivated. Then notice number three tonight. We have the unveiling of the church, Acts chapter number two. The unveiling of the church, Acts chapter number two tonight. Really, it starts in Acts chapter number one. Let me ask you, why do we celebrate birthdays? Because that's when we were born to this world. That's the day that you, you came into this world. We celebrate, celebrate that day. But imagine if we stopped celebrating birthdays and we started celebrating conception days. None of us would know what day that was. <laughs> I don't know when I was conceived. But I do know when I was born. I, knew, I do know when I was unveiled unto this world. It was April 23rd, 1990, early in the morning. I, my big head made its entrance into this world. My mom, my mom always says, if I'd have been the first, I'd have been the last. I said, that must mean I'm just perfect, mom. But we celebrate, that's when we're unveiled. Now, I was already alive in the womb. I had a heartbeat. I had brain function. I could move my fingers and my, my, my toes and I could do all that. Kind. I was already alive, but April 23rd, I was unveiled. I was brought into this world. Acts chapter number two, God takes something that has already been conceived in his heart, has been formulated under the Lord Jesus Christ and unveils it to the world. At the day of Pentecost, we, we see great power. We see great moving of God. Just because you're unveiled doesn't mean you begin to exist on that day. And just like on Acts chapter number two, we see this. It doesn't mean the church hadn't already existed or already was in, in movement and in practice. Acts chapter number one, 
the Lord ascends to heaven in the Holy Spirit. He promises him the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. John chapter number, uh, I can't remember the chapter, but the book of John, Jesus already promised the disciples that when he leaves, he's going to send the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God. Now you say, well, preacher, how come they didn't need the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus was there because when Jesus was there, God was already there. And now when Jesus ascends to the Father and he ascends back to heaven, the Holy Spirit is now the one that dwells inside of us. Right, he's the one when you go to do something bad, he says, hey, you ought not to do that. He's the one when the preacher says something that is right, he says you ought to agree with him. He's the one that works in us. He's the one that, that takes the word of God and makes it make sense to us in our lives. And I, I firmly believe by the time we had already got there, they, these men already had the Holy Spirit. He already dwelled inside of them. Why? Jesus already said, when I leave, I'll give you the comforter. But Acts chapter number one, they were promised that. Also in Acts chapter number one, they were having a business meeting. They're having a business meeting. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I understand why we have them. I, I'm not necessarily against them. But can I say the highlight of my calendar is not business meeting. But it is a necessity and it's a need in the church. They had a business meeting on who to replace, who was going to replace Judas. Iscariot. They're already having business meetings before Acts chapter number two. They're being, they've already been, they have the Holy Spirit as a comforter. Then you come into Acts chapter number two, verse number four, it talks about them being filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter two, they've assembled all together in one place. That sounds like church. That sounds like church to me. That's how I tell you, we're all in the same place tonight. We're having church. Now, thank God for technology and thank God for a camcorder and thank God for the ability to get the word of, preach the word of God to you in your living rooms during 2020. But can I say, if I never have to do that again this side of heaven and I ain't gonna do it on the other side of heaven, but I never have to do that again in my lifetime, I'll be okay with that. Because you can't, I mean, I, I was watching a service this week of a youth meeting in Tennessee and you could tell it was on there. The altars were filled up, they were singing, they were worshiping God, and it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the same at my house. It was good, and I was enjoying it, but it just wasn't the same. Just like if you go to work tomorrow and try to explain to your, your, your coworkers what took place here this morning, what took place here tonight, what took place here last Sunday night, they're gonna look at you like you're crazy. They're not gonna understand it because they weren't here. But in Acts chapter number two, they, the Bible says they were all with one accord in one place. They had assembled together. What is a church? They called out assembly. They've assembled together. They're in Jerusalem at the time. And they've assembled all together in one place. It sounds like the church. Verse number four, they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Look at verse number four. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They didn't receive, they already had the Holy Spirit. That term being filled, right, is what you and I would call being led by the Holy Spirit of God where we are, we are yielding ourselves to the Spirit of God. We are, we are allowing him to direct us and give us direction and allowing him to use our lives. I firmly believe tonight that what they spoke and what they said was not just jibber-jabber, but it was in a language that those who are in the audience understood. Here's the interesting thing. If you read down through verse number nine, all the way down to verse number 11, you get country after country who was represented in that congregation that day. And why would God allow them to hear what Peter and all those other men, it wasn't just the 12 there that day. I think it's somewhere around 129 were there that day and were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, preaching the word of God in the language of those that were there that day, why would God 
God let that crowd sit in on that because they needed to know how the church was going to operate. They needed to know how the church was going to work. Can I say, as, as the pastor of our church, the greatest thing I, I desire in your life is you to live a, a Christian life that is filled and led by the Holy Spirit of God. We've had great church services, right? But imagine if we come in just full of the Holy Ghost, right? Be allow him to lead us and allow him to prepare our hearts for, for, for worship and for praise and for the preaching of the word of God. That's what takes place here in Acts chapter number two. It's a great moving of the Holy Spirit of God. He gave them utterance. It's the same as if you were to say, I feel led of the Holy Spirit to say, you ever been in church service and, and the Holy Spirit get on you and say, you better testify. You better say something. Brag on me for a little bit. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone raise their hand and say, preacher, can I testify? I feel like the Lord just wants me to say something. And it'll be right on time. It'll be right. It'll be exactly well, what we need in the service. And here they're being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul, excuse me, Peter begins to preach in verse number 14. <laughs> They've been accused, verse number 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what mean is this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up, thank God Peter had a mouth, amen. He, a lot of times we talk about all the things Peter shouldn't have said and how he shouldn't have done it, but thank God Peter stood up on that day and said, y'all got it all misconstrued. These men love the Lord. They're saved by the grace of God. They're not drunken as you suppose, but he said they are fulfilling the scriptures. Right, Peter preached. What did he preach? Well, verses 16 through 36, he preached the word of God. He explained the scenario. Verse 16, but this is what it was spoken by the prophet Joel. They're meeting together. They have assembled together. They're in one accord. And what does Peter preach? The word of God. Can I say, well, you know what, what America needs preaching in the churches is the word of God. We've got a lot of churches preaching a whole lot of junk, a whole lot of social this, social that, this, that, and the other. It's, uh, we just need more men who will stand behind a pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord. That's what Peter did that day. He said, thus saith. He said, this is all, this is all in the word of God. Verses 37 through 41, the Bible says that Peter gave an invitation. Verse number 37, now when they had heard this, they were pricked, they were under conviction. They were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse number 38, Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, Peter said, here's how, here's how you get what I got, get saved. Repent of your sins and be baptized, right? Be obedient to the word of God and you shall receive what I have and who I have, right? So he gives an invitation, verse number 41, and they gladly received his word and were baptized. Right, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Preacher, what are you describing here? God is unveiling how church is supposed to be, what the church is supposed to accomplish, what the church is supposed to do. He's already been cultivating in the life of, in the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a concept that begins in eternity past. But in Acts chapter number two, he's unveiling it, right? He's, he's allowing the world to see what it's going to happen. <laughs> Here's what I find interesting, Acts chapter number two. How come they didn't do no singing? You don't find no singing in here. Now, verse number 47, you talk about praising God, but that's afterwards. How come they didn't do no singing? Well, it tells us right there in verse number one, they came in one accord. They were already there for the same reason and for the same purpose. Can I say that's what the song service is supposed to do? 
prepare our heart for the preaching of the word of God. It's what it did this morning. I don't know about you, but I think all of us in here this morning, we're, we're agreeing that God's been good in my life. Sunday night, we was agreeing, thank God he passed by and he moved in. Right, it prepared our hearts for the preaching of the word of God. But we see tonight, they came in ready for one accord. They came in ready to hear what God had for them. And then verse number 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and, and in prayers. What they learned that day in Acts chapter number two, they took home with them. They took back to where they were from. We read all those different nations right there in verses nine and through 11. Everything they've seen that day. Look at that, the Bible said some went to Egypt, some went to Mesopotamia, some went to Asia, Cappadocia, Persia, Libya, Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes. What do you say, preacher? What took place in Acts chapter number two still works today. It's still the model and it's still the, the unveiling, right? Well, what was taking place there in Acts chapter number two, right, ought to be taking place at South Haven Baptist Church. We ought to have services. We ought to have church uh, meetings that are, we come in filled of the Holy Spirit, ready to worship, ready to praise his name, ready for the preaching of God's word. Lord, here's my heart, preach it. Lord, let me, let, here's my heart. Lord, whatever you want to put in it today, Lord, put in it. I'm ready for it. I'm listening. I'm willing to be obedient. The church didn't start in Acts chapter number two, but it sure did take off and it's still going on today. Here's the thing tonight, I, you might disagree with me when we're all said and done, but I believe it's a, it's, a, it's a conception in the heart of God of the church. There's a cultivation in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great unveiling in Acts chapter number two. And I'll stand and agree with you tonight. I thank God that I'm in the church. And thank God for the church. And thank God Jesus died for the church. You might disagree with me about when it started and when it began, but I think we could agree on tonight. We're just glad it started. We're glad that it began tonight.